Well, good evening, everyone, and special welcome once again to um, another evening service. Um, we trust that you all are keeping well by the grace of our Lord, um, and we trust that the Lord continues to uh, feed you through the preaching of His Word um, as we read His Word together and as you enjoy devotions um, on your own in your closet. We continue to pray um, that you continue to grow um, even in your walk with the Lord. Um, just one announcement tonight. Um, if, if you are looking to get involved, we are looking to help out those who have been affected uh, by the rioting and the looting that has happened in our country in the last few days. Um, if you are interested in helping, um, you can contribute to the hunger relief um, fund, I guess, that we um, sort of going to start up to uh, help those who are in need. So if you want to contribute, uh, you can just send um, a deposit to the church with the reference hunger relief. Um, and we'll be sure to use um, those designated funds uh, to help those who are in dire need um, in and around the communities that were affected. So um, if you do want to help out in that, uh, please don't forget, uh, send to the local church and then reference hunger relief. I will also want to remind you to continue faithfully giving to the work and the ministry here at Central. Um, we are sad that we cannot meet physically, uh, but ministry continues to happen. Uh, pastors continue to go visiting people, seeing people. Um, and if there is any needs, please let us know. Um, this is an awkward time because we don't bump into you um, on a Sunday after the sermon and ask you how you're doing. Um, so we do, we would like to know how you are doing. So if there are any needs that you are aware of, if you please just let us know. Um, so we could visit you or pray with you um, or even be in contact uh, so we can care for you as best as we can. And our call to worship this evening is from Psalm 23. I'm a fitting psalm even as we're considering uh, peace tonight. I'd like to remind us of the Lord who is our shepherd. So Psalm 23 reads, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Our reading for today is from Genesis chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. It reads, This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he placed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived a hundred and thirty years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years and he died. This is the reading of the Lord. Join me in prayer as we pray for the evening church service. Uh, praying for the church members out there and also as we pray for the nation. God our Father, which art in heaven, Lord, we bow heads before you this evening, acknowledging that you are the sovereign Lord, the one who was, who is, and who will be, the one who has no beginning and no end. You are indeed the mighty God, our Father. We call upon your name because, Lord, we have our being in you. You are the one that gave us life, and you are the one who sustains us every day. You provide for us, you heal our sick bodies, 
you encourage us and comfort us in times of sorrow and in times of sickness. Lord, we pray, giving honor and glory to you tonight. And as your people gather to worship you, we pray, Lord, that indeed may your presence through the Holy Spirit be with us. We pray that the preaching of the Word of God indeed um, minister to every one of us, minister to us, Lord, each one according to our needs. We pray, Lord, for the worship. We pray um, for the preaching of the Word of God and everything, that, Lord, everything bring glory and honor to your name. We would like to pray for everyone out there, since now we cannot meet physically uh, in a fellowship um, at church. We pray that wherever everybody is in, in their homes, Lord, be with them. And may you continue indeed to minister to them, to bless them, to provide for them. There are those that are sick, that Lord, you reach them according to their situation, so that, Lord, you stretch forth your hand to touch and to heal them. And there are those that need encouragement, there are those that need comfort, Lord, be with them. Heavenly Father, we want to pray for the chaos that has been going on in the nation, and maybe <clears throat> some more might be coming up after the decision of the Constitutional Court. Heavenly Father, we pray that uh, may your presence be in this country and may, your, may you take control of this country. And we pray for the president, we pray for the cabinet, we pray for all those that rule with him, that they will make decisions that are wise. We pray for the judiciary, we pray for the uh, security um, services, the police, the army, uh, the intelligence, and everybody. We pray that, Lord, this country may maintain peace and stability. So thank you, Lord, indeed, for tonight, and thank you for every one of us. And thank you for once again for the preaching of, the, of your word, and thank you um, for understanding what we are going through at this moment, especially the issue of um, the coronavirus pandemic, which is also causing so much problems in many families. We thank you, Lord, that you are there and that we can't lose hope. Through your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Just a glimpse of the sad, sad events that happened in our country just this week. Our beloved South Africa went from zero to a hundred real quick. I mean, we were sitting down expecting to hear our president come and update us on the lockdown level four restrictions. And soon, within a blink of an eye, we 
found ourselves waiting for an update, waiting for a solution from our president on how is he going to stop the chaos? How is he going to stop the, the rioting and the looting that was filling our land? Many, I can say, were asking themselves the question, peace, peace, where art thou, peace? What happened in our country was almost as if somebody lit a fire in a felt and it just lost control. So much was brought to the fore. Again, we must say, what was brought to the fore is the, the, um, the evidence of, of sin that, that runs and reigns in our land today. We, we saw lawlessness. We saw the realities of poverty and unemployment and we saw even many acts of violence, which brought many South Africans to ask themselves the question, peace, peace, where art thou, peace? Many looking for, for, for answers. Many have more questions now than they've ever had answers. And the question is, peace, peace, where art thou, peace? Before I attempt to answer this question, I first want to remind us of what Paul had warned us of prior even to the events that took place in our country. In 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, remember when Paul said, Let no one deceive you in any way. For that day, that is the day of our Lord, the day of the returning of Jesus, he says, that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man, and the man of lawlessness. He says in chapter 2 verse 7, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. He goes on to say, excuse me. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And, the, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing. Why? Because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. God, in his providence, brought this passage a few weeks ago. He brought this passage before the rioting came about, before the looting even started, to remind us of the reality of Scripture. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. It is deceiving both the rich and the poor alike, leading them to further delusion, which is going to lead them to destruction. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 20 says, Deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil, but those who promote peace have joy. So Paul, in this letter to the church, if, if Paul was writing to us, who like the Thessalonian church, were, were feeling afflicted, were feeling troubled, might even be feeling anxious, Paul would encourage us to say, hey, church in South Africa, church at Central, do not be discouraged. These things that have happened, the things that are still to happen, are only the sirens, the alarm bells to tell us that the, the return of our Lord Jesus Christ is at hand. Jesus is coming soon. Now we are aware from our series in, Thess in Thessalonians, from chapter one, from the first letter to the second, that the church at Thessalonica were no strangers to hardship and persecution. In fact, their peace was often disrupted by affliction. 
They were shaken, as I've said before, they were shaken by false teachings regarding the second coming of our Lord. They were idol worshippers who hated them for preaching Christ over Caesar and over their dead, dead and worthless idols. There were those able-bodied but idle members who took advantage of the church's work, working members, causing the church much, much distress. This was a church that was in need of peace. This was a church that was also asking themselves, peace, peace, where art thou peace? And this leads Paul to wrap up his letter with this prayer. So if you, if you turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, you want to read verses 16 to 18. That is 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. And Paul prays, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and every way. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Let's pray together. Father, as I come to you tonight, Lord, I thank you that you've given us your word, God, which is true. I thank you, God, that you've also left us with your spirit who illuminates our minds and our way to the path of righteousness. I thank you, God, for your providential hand in preparing this sermon for this season. But God, I pray that I would not speak as one who has his own agenda, but God, I pray that I would expound expound on that which your Spirit has revealed to me in your word. I pray, God, that as we go through this prayer from the Apostle, that God, you would bring about in our own hearts a greater understanding of the peace that you give. And Lord, I pray that this understanding would lead us to a great sense of peace God, even in the face of much affliction. God, I do pray for those who are listening to this, who are currently in a season of heavy persecution, currently in a season of much, much affliction. Their hearts are troubled. Their minds are anxious. God, they might even be fearful. God, I pray that you please use this message to bring about a clear sense of calm and quietness which is a gift that we receive from you. So God, may I be a vessel in your hand. Use me, God, to speak your truth. And Lord, we should bless this message. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now in South Africa, we know that we are no strangers to affliction. We have seen apartheid. We've had tribalism. We've had xenophobia. We've had high levels of crime. We've been hit by HIV and AIDS. We've seen unemployment and poverty. We've seen corruption. Man, you name it. We are a country that is well affiliated with affliction. So with all this, it is fair to say that there are many in our country who have probably asked themselves the question, when will this nation rest? When will we as South Africans finally receive a sense of peace? Now, to answer this question, I want us to go and put our place ourselves as the Thessalonian church who had the same question. And as they asked the question, where will we find peace? I hope as we see the answer that Paul gives them, that we too would be encouraged by what God says to us. Now, tonight, I only have one main point, And this one main point is... Special deliveries from God himself. Special deliveries from God himself. Where will the Thessalonian church find peace? Where will the church at Central, where will believers in South Africa find peace? They will find it from one of the special deliveries that God gives himself. And the first delivery is his peace. We see this in verse 16. It says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. See, if you ask around, peace 
if you ask, sorry, peace if you asked around, or even if you did a simple Google search, or even if you went to an Oxford dictionary, you will see peace defined as this. It is the sense of calm and, tr- and tranquility and quietness and bliss that you feel when you believe that everything is well. If we went further and even consider uh, our flesh and, and consider worldliness, we could add that peace is a sense of calm, tranquility, quietness, bliss, when you feel that everything is well and everything is exactly the way we want it to be. It is the state or period where there is no war or a, or a war has recently come to an end. You see, I want you to know that the world does not only try to define peace, but they also try to offer us some, some means to this peace that they offer. What they, what they offer peace in is they say, hey, you can find peace through substances. You could find peace by going away to a tranquil holiday destination of your choice. Hey, you can find peace by being with friends or family. You can find peace by finally winning the lottery. You can find peace by receiving an inheritance from a loved one who's passed away. Or maybe falling in love or simply securing a W. Hey, these are ways that you can find peace. But tonight, I want you to know that that is not biblical peace. You see, tonight, the peace that we are talking about is a spiritual peace. And spiritual peace, I want you to know with, with, with much assurance, is true peace. MacArthur in a blog would write, It is the attitude of the heart and the mind that calmly, confidently believes and thus knows that all is well between the soul and God. That's the peace we're talking about. It's the confidence that everything is right between myself and God, and He is lovingly in control of my life in time and in eternity. We see this in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, where Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the word peace here that the Apostle Paul is talking about in 2 Thessalonians is the Hebrew word salom, which has the sense of health, wholeness, and salvation. I'll say that again. It is, it is the, Greek, the Hebrew word salom, which has the sense of health, wholeness, and salvation, not only the absence of strife, as the Greek word would suggest. So this kind of salam, this kind of peace, folks, can only be found in the Lord of peace himself. And he gives it to his children in every way at all times. But I want you to notice the title that Paul uses there. Paul uses the title, the Lord of Peace. He does this to to remind us that true lasting peace is a gift from the Son of God. It is a gift from our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this peace is only found in Him who is the only source to this peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Matthew Henry, in his commentary on this very benediction, would suggest this. He said, if we have any peace that is desirable, God must give it. Who is the author of peace and lover of concord? We shall neither neither have peaceable dispositions ourselves, nor find men disposed at peace with us. Sorry, disposed to be at peace with us, unless the God of peace give us both. He is the only source of peace. In fact, in Psalm 29 verse 11, we read this. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Now, I love the, in, the, the intimate and personal nature that, that, that the Apostle Paul requests for this peace. You see, the Apostle Paul doesn't ask Christ to send peace from heaven. 
which he could. He doesn't ask Christ to send an angel or send a prophet or even send an apostle to bring about this peace to the church. Instead, he says, Lord, please personally get involved and gift us with this peace at all times in every way. Why? Because the apostle Paul understood that God is peace. Peace like love mercy, truth, righteousness, and justice, and, and all the other perfections of God. And peace is the very essence of God's nature. And therefore, for us to get peace, it must come from God, for the world's peace is only fleeting, and it seems to fill us, but it only fills us on the surface. Man, uh, as, as, as the unrest was happening, I, I listened to a sermon by one preacher who reminded me of this truth and I had to, to share it with us again. It's a bit long, but please read with me. The preacher, the preacher says this, He, God, has no lack of perfect peace in his being. God is at all times at perfect peace. There's no stress. God is never stressed. God is never anxious. God never worries. He never doubts. God never fears. He is never at discord with himself. He is never at cross purposes. It's never so. Um, sorry, it's never so that he can't make up his mind. He is never troubled. He is never indecisive. He is never unclear. He is never unsure. He is never threatened. God lives in perfect calm. God lives in perfect tranquility. God lives in perfect contentment. There is nothing in the entire universe that goes on that doesn't that he doesn't know about and there's nothing in the entire universe that can withstand his purposes. He knows there are no surprises for his omniscience. He there are no unknowns to the omnipresence. There are no changes, no doubts, no fears, even his wrath is clear, controlled, calm, and confident. There are no threats to his omnipotence. There is no possible sin that can stain his holiness. There is no sinner who can appear before him who is beyond his grace. There is no threat to his immutable plan. There is no guilt in his mind. There is no shame in his mind. There is no regret in his mind. For he has never done anything, said anything, or thought anything that he would in any way change. That is our God, the God who is peace. Now remember in chapter 1 of, of this specific letter when the Apostle Paul prayed this. He prayed that God would fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith for the Thessalonians. But listen how he finishes the prayer. With his power. You see the Apostle Paul knew that without the power of God. The church would never be able to accomplish what God so desired for us. Paul knew that only God would work his calm and quietness into the hearts of his people because apart from God, we are a troubled, anxious, and fearful people. It, is, it doesn't matter how old you are as a believer. It doesn't matter how much you know about the scriptures. Christian, you cannot pull it off on your own. You cannot succeed on this earth in, in, in persevering, in enduring, in and of your own strength. You will fail every time. You will be frustrated every time. You must be aided by the Lord. You must lean on His gracious gifts that He has graciously given to us. So to whom does God give this peace? God gives this deep divine peace that, that is possessed by the Trinity. He gives it to all who believe in Him. He gives it to all who have the faith in Him. For even as you see in Galatians 5, it is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. 
If you are a believer, God has purchased peace in his son and has granted it to us through his spirit. The prophet Isaiah wrote, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. See, church, all around us, we find people who are vainly seeking contentment in things. People are looking for contentment and even peace in things such as money or the goods that money can buy. Others are looking for contentment in social prestige, in fame, in pleasures and other things. But I want you to know that all these things are broken cisterns which can hold no water. Only the one who made us can satisfy our hearts. Only as our affections are set on things above do we drink on the fountain of living water. Just as we delight ourselves in the Lord, we will have perfect peace. Church, God has not offered or promised that there will be world peace in this age. Thomas Watson would say, The seeming peace a sinner has is not from the knowledge of his happiness, but the ignorance of his danger. You see, the sinner is deceived to believe that the security that Satan has offered him in this world is true peace. He believes that he can achieve peace whilst enjoying his sin in this world. And I want you to know that this is not so. Psalm 85 verse 10 says, Loving kindness and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. See, true peace from God can never be separated from His holiness. Therefore, true peace can only be possessed by those who are redeemed and those who are being made holy as He is holy. The writer of the Hebrews would note in chapter 12, verse 14, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. For without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You see, the Apostle Paul is instructing the church here that in the midst of chaos, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. You see, the Apostle Paul knew that there would be a great need for peace in our world as the wicked are among us, as, as the evil one is at work. So the Lord has therefore left his spirit within believers who will be peacemakers who are to resemble Christ who was reviled, but he did not revile back. So church, the peace that I'm talking about tonight is not that, oh, at least the riots were in KZN, or at least they they didn't loot lofters and checkers, so we are safe. That's not the peace that I'm talking about. The peace that I'm talking about tonight is even if they looted in our area, even if they looted our neighborhood, even if unrest sprung from right next to our homes, we will say, Lord, I know that you are here and my task is to ask myself the question, how can I best proclaim Christ in the midst of the darkness around The question is, how can I actively be a peacemaker now as the Lord Jesus Christ has strategically placed me in this area to be a peacekeeper? How can I help those who have been affected by all that has happened in the land as God has blessed me so that I can be a giver? See, the peace that God has given us is that great calm and quietness that I have in my heart, that God is with me, that that looking ahead, there is better days that are coming. But it's not that idle peace that I stay sitting, but it's that peace that gets active, as we'll see later. 
the peace of God. He doesn't just give us peace, but he enables us with his grace so that we can do that which he has called us to do. I love Paul's benediction in Romans chapter 6. He says, For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Believers, look upward. Believer, look forward. Jesus will be victorious over sin, the world, and Satan. Believer, believe it. He is in control of the ship of your life. He will and does provide peace in the storm as he shouts in the midst of your chaos, Peace be still. He will bring poverty to an end in his day. He will bring lawlessness to justice in his day. He will end all sorrow and misery in his day. He will end all sickness, all pain and death in his day. He will deal with the corrupt acts of darkness He will deal with them in his day. So church of Christ, cling to Jesus. For without Jesus, we are without hope. Believe in him. Take heart today. Why? For he has overcome the world. Christian, you have no reason to fear. God is personally concerned about your well-being. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, Peace I live with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Why? For there is no circumstance that can take this peace away from you. No matter what God allows this world to throw at you, and I hope you caught that, whatever God allows this world to throw at you, you can experience a full internal calm that He is there. A full internal calm that I have peace because He has given it to me. But church, this peace can be interrupted. It is often interrupted by our own flesh when we drift away from Christ. When we live for ourselves and get caught up in the world, we lose the sense of peace. It it, it feels as though it is interrupted. It is there, but we feel like we don't feel it. Church, tonight my call to you is hope in God who has graciously and abundantly given you peace. Peace. It is one of the spiritual muscles that have been bestowed to us as the Spirit lives within us. So exercise that muscle. Paul says, May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way because he knew that peace was always available in God. Before we move on, I want us to consider the words of the psalmist in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 67 to 70, it says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies. But with my whole heart, I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfailing, sorry, is unfeeling like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. Difficult statement to say, yet abounding in truth. 
I remember listening uh, to a podcast by John Piper who was saying, as you grieve, in that moment of your grief, God has enriched us with rich minerals and nutrients to strengthen our faith as we live on this earth. So partake of it. If we understand, like the psalmist, that through all our trials, through all the changes we experience in this life, even through the chastening of the Lord himself, if we understand that in all of this, the Lord is like a sculptor and he is chiseling us into the image of Christ. If we understand in all of this that the Lord is like a potter and he is molding us into the clay that resembles Jesus. If we understand in all of this that the the Lord remains that good, good shepherd who richly provides for us, who richly protects us, who leads us, but also corrects us as we drift astray and brings us back to the flock. He is at work in perfecting us day by day. If we understand this, then church, you will have inward peace. Paul instructed the church at Colos, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Allow the peace of Christ to rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. You see, a troubled and an anxious and a fearful heart does not produce gratitude. Instead, it also doesn't produce obedience. Instead, it produces disgruntlement, it produces disobedience, and it also produces a vulnerability to being deceived by the evil. So church, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let anxiety rule over your hearts. Do not allow fear to be king in your hearts. Rather, let the peace of Christ rule your heart. So to wrap up this first package of the special delivery that we have from God. Peace is not what you do, but it's who you are in Christ. It is what lives and dwells in you that produces this peace. So it is produced by God and it is given to all who believe, but it is often interrupted when we look to our flesh. But praise God, as it can be interrupted, it can be restored by a commitment to God through prayer, through reading his word, through meditating on the scriptures and applying them daily. It is restored as we actively mortify the flesh, put your flesh to death and trust in God for all of life. So the first delivery that God delivers himself, is peace. The second special delivery that God delivers himself is his presence. The Apostle Paul prays, The Lord be with you all. Oh man, the presence of God is a great gift from God. He has not and will not forsake us He has not and will not leave us abandoned. He has given us his presence to fully comfort us, to faithfully refresh us. He has given us his spirit to faithfully give us counsel and direction. It is in his presence that we can rest assured that his power is working by our side to preserve us. Charles Spurgeon uh, commenting on a crew that was experiencing harsh waters at sea. This is what he says. He says, perhaps at this very moment, down in some cabin or amidst the noise and turmoil and the raging of the ocean, when many are alarmed, they are Christians with calm faces patiently waiting their father's will. Listen to this. 
whether it shall be to reach the port of heaven or to be spared and come again to land into the midst of life's trials and struggles once more. They feel that they are well cared for. They know that the storm has a bit in its mouth and that God holds it in and nothing can hurt them. Nothing can happen to them but what God permits. Church, we need nothing and no one Sorry, church, we need nothing and no one more to make us feel safe and happy. Nor can we desire nothing better for ourselves or even for our friends and family than to have the gracious presence of the Lord with us and with them. It is God who is our comfort, who will guide us in every circumstance. It is His presence that gives us confidence to persevere in the eye of the storm. His presence is what what we shall long for in heaven, and it is His presence today that helps us to hate sin. Even if all around you is dark, The Lord God is with us and he is your light. Jesus is with you, not in the same sense as you see babies being trained to swim in a pool. Have you seen those videos? where uh, the the instructor is outside the pool and holds the child and just tosses this child into the pool and we all panic as, as the child comes out and learns how to float. No, that's not how God is with us. God is in the pool with us, teaching us to swim through the afflictions of this age. God is with us and he's enabling us to do his will, even in the presence of much, much trouble and affliction. Rest assured that God is with you. John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is who bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, you too would be deluded into a false sense of peace, which is fleeting, a false sense of security, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Church, Come to Jesus. Who is this God who is with you? Man, he is the omnipotent, infinite, majestic, glorious, gracious, sovereign, merciful, just, righteous, wise, loving. Well, love, he is the omniscient, transcendent, imminent, immutable, eternal man, I can go on. This is the God who is with you, the God who possesses all these attributes in perfection. He is the God who is by our side. Consider Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to 32, a verse that we, we, we often are afraid to use because it's been abused so much. But church, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can stand against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? It is in this God in whom we move and breathe and find our being. Church in South Africa, Central Baptist Church, have faith in God. He is for us and we can have peace from God who is our living hope. If our circumstances change, 
or even if the circumstances around us do not change, we can remain calm and content and grateful because we know that the Lord is with us. Isaiah, the prophet would proclaim, Surely God is my salvation. I trust, I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. God is with you. Take heart. The final package that we um, receive as a special delivery from our God is his grace. Jesus said, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for himself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. We can all together admit that man, today's troubles can easily be overwhelming. Today's troubles are many and they are different for all of us, but we can all together get together and say, man, there are troubles today. But he has given us enough grace to match it. The grace he has given us is enough to bear it. The grace that he has given us is enough to rejoice in it as he takes us through the troubles of the day. Church, without his strength, without God's grace, we are easily overwhelmed and overcome by sin. We are easily overwhelmed by the principalities and the powers and the rulers of this darkened age. We need Jesus for our perseverance. We need Jesus for our endurance. Church, we need Jesus for our security. It is his strength that is made perfect in our weakness. If crime, corruption, Poverty, unemployment increased. God has given us grace to endure. If famine, disease, and natural disasters, and even death hit us, His grace is sufficient for us. He has given us enough grace to endure it. If a coup happened, if racism increased, if tribalism happened, if xenophobia happened, his grace is sufficient for us all. His peace is made perfect in our suffering. So, church, have the confidence that he has given you peace. He is right there with you. He has enabled you by his grace to persevere till the end. I haven't said much about COVID, but you could add COVID in there. If we stayed in level five and COVID still affected us, he remains sovereign and his grace is sufficient still. Now it is by God's grace that we can even be encouraged by this epistle. When I was going through this this passage, I read verse 17, and, and it felt like an awkward verse in this passage. But I was encouraged that this verse reminds us that even Scripture is an element of the grace of God. If it wasn't for His grace, we wouldn't have 2 Thessalonians to encourage us even in the season that we are going through. You see, in Paul's day, what happened was false teachers circulated many other epistles claiming that they were from Paul. They were claiming that the letters that they had were from one of the apostles, which would have meant that the letters that they had were the actual words of God. Now, in light of this, the apostle Paul took special care in adding his own handwriting to his letters, lest the churches he wrote to should be imposed by one counterfeit epistle, which he knew would be dangerous in its consequences. So the, the Apostle Paul knew that if the church had something either than the letter that God had sent him to write 
then the faith of the church would be in dismay as the church would be led astray. So church, uh, so the apostle in the end of this would sign his letters on it. You see, Paul knew that this letter would also be rejected if there was no symbol of his authorship. Because his letters were written by Amanensis, who wrote many of his epistles. But even as Amanensis wrote his letters, he ensured that he signed off at the end with his own handwriting. And here he signed verse 17 and he says this, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. So he's basically saying, church, this is the real deal. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way that I write. So church, we wouldn't have had the truth of Scripture today if it wasn't for God's grace. He had preserved His Word, which encourages us in our time of trouble because of His grace. So church, as we have God's truth, that He has revealed His peace and His grace to us, may we in the face of many more troubles than we will face in South Africa, strive to grow in our faith. May we, in the face of our affliction, look for how we can serve God by loving Him with our whole hearts and loving others as we have been loved by Him. May we endure through adversity as God refines us to be more and more like Christ. May we grow in His grace to be faithful in prayer, Faithful to reading his word and faithful to being obedient to him as he is with us to the ends of all ages. James chapter 3 verse 18 says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So church in South Africa, church at Central, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. But as he cares for you, care for others also. God does not give us his peace. He does not give us his presence. He doesn't give us his grace so that we can be idle. He doesn't give us these precious deliveries so that we can sit in our contentment and do nothing. God has called us to be active peacemakers. He has called us to give where there is need in efforts to proclaim to the world that Jesus Christ is the only hope of glory. Jesus has given us peace. He has given us an inward sense of calm, tranquility, and quietness. So that in the midst of a storm, we can stand on rooftops and proclaim, you need to believe in Jesus if you want peace. You need to believe in Jesus if you want hope. For without Jesus, there is no hope and there is no peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He gives peace. To all who believe in him. Jesus is our true salvation. So tonight, if you believe in him, you will be saved. Let us pray. And God, even as I pray tonight, I remember the words of the song. Come and find your hope now in Jesus. He is all he said he would be. Grace is overflowing from the Savior's heart. God, I pray that you would help us to rest here in his wondrous peace. Oh, the goodness, the goodness of Jesus. Help us, God, to be satisfied for he is all that we will ever need. May it be, come what may, that God, we should rest in all our days in the goodness, the goodness of Jesus. 
So God, I do pray that you'd use this message, Lord, to give us peace. Give us peace, Lord, in seasons of much affliction. But Lord, give us peace in the reality that, God, you are good. So God, as Paul has prayed, I pray likewise for everyone listening to this. God, I pray that the Lord Jesus Christ himself would give us peace for every time and in every way. I pray that the Lord Jesus Christ would be with us all. But God, I also pray that the Lord Jesus Christ would give us grace that will enable us to do all that we have been called to do. As we were challenged this morning to do good as we have been challenged to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Colossians chapter 3. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these things, Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you will call in one body and be thankful. Trust that the Lord bless you all and enjoy the rest of your week. God bless.